I I love the intersection of humanity and technology. That's like my favorite topic, really, because the reason we invented machines is to do things that we don't want to have to do over and over again. And so the way that that plays into the experience of using those machines and the intent behind what the machine is designed to do, but then also like how that intersects with the human who is going to be either doing that work or overseeing those machines doing that work or whatever. And then how can that technology enhance the the lives of the people that it, you know, that it touches? Uh, welcome back, everyone. Dan, it is so good to see your face today. How are you? Likewise. I'm glad my face is in front of you, and I'm glad your face is in front of me, George. Wow. We're just seeing each other. We're other's just glad about faces today. Features. Speaking um, of faces, we have another face, don't we? We have a guest again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. No, <laughs> we were having a moment, um, CK. Uh, welcome, CK. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard CK's voice before, his his good radio voice. I feel like you have one of those voices that you could just, you could jump into, you know, podcast, video, radio. Like you've been, you've been, you've done this. You've, you've been down this road. It's a soothing voice. It's like, yeah. it's like a young Paul Harvey. Aura. It, you know, oh. just, yeah. I'm just here to put people to sleep. We'll just, we'll just mm. lull them into, into safety and works on my kids. Settle in everyone. Settle I'm going to lean back CK. Just keep talking. Just keep yeah. talking. Well, CK is joining us today. We've been, um, Dan and I have been starting this conversation. We're doing a series on our vital few at Crema. And so this, this is this term that we work, um, learned from a consultant that we work with around creating some primary goals each year for our company mm-hmm. and for our team to be looking at and saying, how can we share this across the organization that this is what we're focused on? Cool. And in the past, uh, quite transparently, we've probably bit off more than we can chew. <laughs> uh, we've we've picked too many, and we've we've tried to all do them, and it's like some of them literally came down to like one person having to do them all. And um, you know, so we've iterated on learning how to do them well. And and in the last year, we we put a new leadership team in place at Crema, and so it's been awesome to be able to, be able to share the responsibility of what those might be. Hmm. And so one of those this year for us is deepening our exploratory crafts. So. You heard in the first episode um, when we talked about this idea that we we have been exploring ideas since the beginning of Crema. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been building things, usually new things. We've been designing prototypes. We've been doing workshops. We've been calling it discovery, and then design sprints, and then uh, product labs. And we've we've we were constantly adapting and iterating on this. But um, quite transparently, we realized we need to we need to like really dig our fingers and in and toes deeper into this i don't know fingers Mm. and toes that just sounded weird but you get what i'm saying like we're in the sand (laughs) you know we're getting deep into the dirt here we're we're digging we're exploring it works there you go you know for anybody listening i just am i'm glad you're here and that you stick with us i'm gonna work that into a workshop now (laughs) dig your fingers and toes into this guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could that is a workshop activity for sure um and and we've we've talked a little bit about how there's a very cross-functional team that we've intentionally brought together in this um, this exploratory craft or what we internally call exploratory, but really it's a consultative craft, helping people to explore new ideas, really say what are the problems your or possibilities or opportunities that are right in front of you, and maybe you don't even see them because they're they're just too close. So mm-hmm. how can we help you navigate those things? 
So CK, um, I want to first throw it over to you. We, and again, in a previous episode, we talked a little bit about your role, but I would love for you to, again, to just remind us what's, what's your role both at Crema at large, and then, um, kind of a little bit about your background that got you to why you, why we saw this really unique possibility that, a a technologist, a developer, a, Mm -hmm. um, a builder of things, sometimes with code, um, would be on this exploratory team. I want to throw it to you just to kind of give us a little background on that. For sure. So it's, it's always a pleasure to talk about this stuff because I feel like Crema is a spot where you can take the things that you, uh, both from your background and we have people from incredibly diverse backgrounds Hmm. and you can, you can pull pieces from that and sort of mix and match to fit a need that is either current or upcoming. And I feel like that's kind of what happened over this past uh, couple of years with my role where I came in as a developer, went into a TD role for a couple of years, a co-TD role, and now am a creative technologist. And I think that kind of means like, we don't know what to do with you. And so there is a... <laughs> Nobody said that a, behind closed doors. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. Be- it's good because it's like the my background is in photography and video, live audio, things like that, video production. So, and then I kind of fell into development because there was no YouTube, you know, there was no place to put stuff. And so you had to build it if you wanted to host it somewhere. Mm, And that kind of like made me aware of places where people would go to see things that people made. And that's really why I wanted to get into development at all. Uh, And so coming through the path of, you know, advertising and marketing and building websites and everything for uh, some experiential stuff kind of got me into product and, you know, which ultimately uh, led me to Crema. And I, I feel like since then, it's just been a continual, I think you guys have done a really good job of building a place where people can look at what they know or what they would like to do more of and figure out a place to do that. And so when the exploratory team came up as a concept, and there was kind of this question of what roles do we want represented, then we knew there would be needs for functional mm-hmm. prototyping and other things that we might want to do, even just creating something for someone to hold, uh, you know, in a, in a digital sense, and be able to actually prove out some ideas and that that would require some technical capabilities. And that was a, it was a cool opportunity because there's also, I also have a heavy interest in strategy and uh, where human computer interaction takes place, you know, and all of that. And so there's a lot of, a lot of different skills that because we're a really small team, we kind of have to lean into each other's strengths and Mm. support one another. And Mm -hmm. so it, I think it just kind of fit. But I'm excited to see how the team grows and changes in the future because there's always more to do and more ways that we can interact with our clients and serve them better. CK, you mentioned HCI or human computer interaction, which is a field of its own. What describe real quick, briefly what that is and where your excitement and energy kind of why it rests in that area. I I love the intersection of humanity and technology. That's like my favorite topic, really, because the reason we invented machines is to do things that we don't want to have to do over and over again. And so the way that that plays into the experience of using those machines and the intent behind what the machine is designed to do, but then also like how that intersects with the human who is going to be either doing that work or overseeing those machines doing that work or whatever. And then how can that technology 
enhance the the lives of the people that it you know that it touches mm-hmm. and that has to be an intentional process because it has to be designed and you you have to create good interactions because you know contrary to a lot of like the hand waving around AI and ML and all this stuff, you know, they only do what you tell them to do. The computers only do what you give them the ability to do. At least for now, just wait. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's where, that's where HCI really is important is because Mm -hmm. we have to, we're building things for people, but we're using machines to do the work. So we have to design good interactions for humans and computers because we want to be interacting with these computers because we want them to do work for us. And so that just, it has to be an intentional process. And I think that that's where if you have kind of a hopeful, optimistic view of the future, then like HCI becomes an important issue if you want to get into building things uh, at all, really. CK, you use the language a lot and even you've used it in the last couple of minutes here uh, describing HCI or or your your role and even exploratory. But instead of saying like building something or developing something, you say designing something. Talk to me a little bit about, you and I have chatted a lot over the years of like both you have a passion for design. I mean, that exists in and of itself, but also just you using that language is very intentional. So talk about where design or maybe design thinking comes into the play Mm -hmm. of this intersection of design, facilitation, technical, um, as we explore new ideas. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think that really goes into why the exploratory team has been a lot of fun so far is because Aubrey's a fantastic designer. Um, Justin, he's technically a, a coach, but he also is an amazing designer. If you ever just give him a give him a pencil and let him draw something freehand, ask <laughs> and, him to develop a, or a, to produce a video. It's it's yeah, it's, it's you know, well just, and, designed. Yeah, and and I think design thinking specifically, which. I know we'll make Tyler happy that we, we've brought up here is, is a concept that I've really latched onto, not because it's new, but because it's, it's like stood the test of time. Mm. And so design thinking in a nutshell is just looking at problems as interconnected systems and finding elegant human first solutions to them. Mm. And a lot of times you're just simply saying, do I have what I need to actually solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And then you're, designing a solution, right? And so it's not just going and building because that might give you an output, but it might not be something that actually helps the person at the other end of the problem. And so that's where this this concept of design thinking comes in. And I think all of us, uh, as all of us as, you know, engineers or um, technologists, or even just people who use computers and use machines need to have a little bit of that human computer interaction, a little bit of design, a little bit of, you know, the, the programming and other, and the, the nuts and bolts. But if you can kind of broaden your scope to not just be siloed into one of those, then you can make really, really intentional decisions that are bigger than the problem you're trying to solve right now. And you're Mm -hmm. thinking about it as like, how am I helping or hurting, you know, the person who's going to touch this after me? And like as a developer, that's very relevant because your code will always be touched by someone else. Um, but if you think about it as as part of a larger solution and these interconnected systems, because every time you pull one lever, it moves something else. Like mm-hmm. that's just a, a truth about our world, right? And so yeah. there's a, there's I don't know. I just I think that that theory is a really helpful lens for viewing how technology uh, works in general. Hmm. 
and we won't get into too much into <clears throat> design thinking, all the principles of design thinking, because there's a there's a whole kind of framework that goes with traditional design thinking. IDEO's created a, a ton of incredible content for this, and mm-hmm. and Frog and others. Um, but it is something we're inspired by, albeit it has it's kind of gotten that like uh, almost like agile, right? There's there's this weird or agile lean or design thinking that these. Um, there are cults around it. <laughs> there oh, are the sure. people that are like, I'm in, and it's the only thing that will change the world. And then there's also those that have said, no, it's dead, and we're replacing it with something better, shiny. What we're saying is actually, no, there's so many core principles to pull from this that are actually, we found to be useful day-to-day here at Crema and the way we're exploring things both for ourselves and with our clients. And so maybe we could bring it even further up to the surface to start practicing those things in, in more of the traditional framework, um, which mm-hmm. has been, I think has been really helpful to have a shared language. Right. Um, CK, so knowing your role, where it started at Crema and now where it's at, obviously you've had a lot of client interaction, a lot of client engagement, and I'm sure there's a lot of similarities uh, between you know, really working, um, uh, from a production standpoint, developing, um, coding, but now you're on a little bit of a different, uh, wavelength with the client. So, um, you're exploring with them. So as you're working in that capacity, what are you looking for as you Mm. explore with the client? What are, as you step into that role, you step into that room with the client, what are you looking for? Honestly, the, probably the first thing that, I've learned I need to do better is just continue to ask way more questions because you learn to do that when you're planning like a technical architecture or you're you're coming in and like okay we have this issue with this existing system and we want to upgrade it or whatever or we want to build into the future you know we want to add features to something in a proactive way and that requires questions and answers and I think all of our uh, developers at Crema are incredibly good at saying, okay, but what does this do? And uh, if I pull this, what is this going to do over here? You know, they're really good at sussing out uh, all the linked systems. And when you're, when you're talking to a client where nothing exists yet though, which is the case in some of these exploratory engagements, we've already even begun. Mm -hmm. You're saying, all right, well, we're, we're not even sure you want to build this solution yet. And so that's something that as we come in from a technology or even just a production, you know, angle, Mm. we're trying to think of, okay, for whether it's our team or another team, what are some of the business goals that they have right now that these future teams are going to have to solve through, you know, these production capabilities. And so when I'm asking a question of like, why, you know, why do you want to do this or what do you want to do here? I'm trying to get a lot better about asking two or three connected questions also, because I want to understand like, what is the business goal behind this thing? Mm. Not just, can we build a feature to fix this? It's really easy to be sitting in that room and immediately go into problem solving mode and go, cool. Yeah, we'll use this. We'll link it to this thing. We'll host it here. You know, And those are just, they're not even sure they want to build it yet because that's right. part of what we're trying to help them uh, explore. You know, is like, mm-hmm. is this going to actually be the right solution to the problem as we'd even understand it today. And I feel like that is, you know, exploration and just at this point in the process is just way further back uh, to where we're not really dealing with concrete problems yet. And we're dealing with these really loose ideas, or maybe it's just aspirations, you know, like 
I want my company to do more of this in the future. I want to become more like this. And a lot of times we'll even just ask that question, like, who do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what do you, what do you want to do more of? And they'll, and a lot of times that changes the type of things that we're, you know, exploring at that point from a, like a production standpoint. It's mm, good. It's really good because I think a lot of organizations, <clears throat> they may have done some of that work in, inside. Usually by the time mm. they're talking to an agency or to a consultant of some sort, they're, they assume there's an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? They assume there's something there and maybe they've even started to kind of sketch out something, um, via a, you know, a, a blank piece of paper or, um, you know, actually creating a list of features that they think is going to solve all the problems that they have. Because again, if a machine was doing it for me, it would be better. But I, I think what's really exciting for me and having seen some of the work that this team is doing. And as we grow out, this team is being allowing ourselves to to ask for the permission because you kind of you have to be given the permission to press into some of these things but to ask for the mm-hmm. permission to say can we take one step back not it doesn't have to be 10 steps back can we take can we take a step back and ask some questions um lateral to where we are now can we ask some questions that might i think you you used the analogy um at one point about like the, can we lift up that rock which right. I love that. And maybe you can describe a little bit about uh, about what you mean by that when you say lift up this rock. What, what's yeah. that analogy in your head? It was literally last night uh, or yesterday we were we were on site uh, at a client and we had to stop for a minute and say, we want to make sure that we all leave this room uh, not with our heads hung down. like Because we, we just asked a whole bunch of things that are wrong and a whole bunch of things about possible futures. And that can sound very depressing. You know, we want to make sure that y'all understand, like you have built something good. We're going to help you make it great, but we want to acknowledge the good that you've done too, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know some of the agencies that have consulted with Crema over the the past years are really good at emphasizing that and just helping to kind of backfill some confidence in case you're looking at it and you're like, okay, we just flipped over this rock and a whole bunch of stuff crawled out from under it. And you're going, oh, yeah, sorry about that. It's like, no, 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 that's what we want. And Mm -hmm. we're here to see that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's telling us maybe things that will tee you up for a better way to to frame this for us so that we can, you know, because we're just there to see it as outside observers, really. And that's a huge, I think a huge part of the exploratory process is we're there to literally have you tell us what it is and then the next person, the next person, the next person. And even just by hearing five different views of what the problem is, as they understand it, each of those people get leveled up in their appreciation for the complexity. But then we also get to hear a lot of the perspectives. Mm. And you can't do that unless you're flipping rocks over and seeing nasty stuff because it's like, mm-hmm. the, the just it's down there. We just got to dredge it out. We got to figure out what's there. And uh, and there's no, you know, no judgment from us. Like we're, we all have areas we can improve and we're just here to, to work on it together. I, I, I love that analogy. And, and, and this is a personal one because I talked about where, where me, where I personally feel like a lot of my roots come from for being an entrepreneur and starting a company and growing a company and exploring and being creative and curious and, and whatnot. And I think one of the the primary ways, and Dan has heard this before, is that my dad and I, we used to live on about like seven acres outside of this little mm-hmm. town in Kansas. And we lived near a river and you could go hike around the river all you wanted. Just hike around, walk around. And we did that. And I built tree houses and it was a great life. But when I was walk with my dad, he would walk slow 
and he would stop and he'd be like, Hey, come here, look at this. And he'd like roll a big log back and there would just be like this whole world of creatures and, mm. you know, little tunnels that they'd made under the log or, you know, you pull a rock back and there'd be a snake and he would just grab, you know, like there was so much more to explore that was just, just barely under the surface. It wasn't buried deep. It was just right there under our feet and we'd been walking over it the whole time and we didn't see it. Totally. And, and then he would turn around and then he'd be like, okay, now it's nighttime. Look up at those stars. Now we're going to talk about this thing that's above our heads every day, every night, and we just completely ignore it. And so that ability to slow down a little bit and be curious mm-hmm. is something that sometimes it takes somebody coming alongside you to remind you, hey, let's can, can, we, can we flip that rock over? Oh, no, okay, we don't have time. That's okay. We'll come back to it, but we should. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have yeah. a hunch that maybe that rock needs to be, or that log needs to be rolled over there because I, um, I bet there's some, some mysteries to be found there that might inform us better mm. on what we can do as we move forward. So I, I love that analogy. Yeah. just connects with me personally. I, I think that there are ways that all of us do that in our day-to-day or could do that in our day-to-day, and we just forget to put them through our keyboard (laughs) Uh, because, you know, I think of the way that my children see the world or um, actually all the way back to walking through the woods with my dad and in doing photography. And he literally just said like squat down and take the same picture or Mm -hmm. climb up on a stump and take the same point of view, you know? Yeah. And you're just, you know, just trying to see the world in a different way, but you're not really changing anything about it. You're just trying to appreciate it more from a different perspective and one of the things that I've loved at Grandma is when we've done like talent shows or other things where you see people bring in these weird abilities they have from, you know, other portions of their life or things, the way that they see the world or stuff they've done. And you're like, oh my goodness, not only did I not know that you could do magic tricks, but like, that's a cool little way that you probably, you know, you bring that playfulness or, or whatever it is, or some of that mystique into the way that you do your job too. And hmm. it's, uh. There's, I don't know. There's just, there's, there's always more perspectives to, um, to appreciate, and I, I feel like that's, that's one thing that we can all do better, regardless of role, regardless mm. of task. You know, if I am squashing bugs, you know, one by one, marching through a, a, you know, a management system, then like, you can still do that with a, a curious, a curious bent, you know, mm. uh, because that's, I don't know, like the reason we do this work is, is to see it improve and to see it from different angles and help other people do that too. Like that, it's part of the whole reason we're here, right? <laughs> okay. So you, you kind of, you teased at it, but I want to pull on that thread a little bit further. So you talked about the fact that people are going to come with different contexts and different abilities or maybe hobbies or other things, interests. And I want to pull on yours a little bit because CK, you are a man of many interests. Uh, too many. And, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, too many. No, you, I'm you, saying it. Okay. Okay. Um, but you and I, we've explored all types of things um, uh, over the years, whether it's, I think last year we, you built um, early days of exploring crypto and you were like, I guess I'll build something on a blockchain. I don't know how to do that, <laughs> but we'll learn. And Or um, I was talking about Unreal Engine and the potential of merging video and digital together or um, gaming or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. How do you... As you're exploring those things, because I love to do the same thing, I'm very curious about lots of other areas outside of enterprise software development. And how does that get brought back into kind of connecting dots dots, or bringing other potentials to exploring with our clients? Hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's essential. It, 
one of the things that drew me into Crema was the idea of our Lab Fridays. And regardless mm-hmm. of what shape they take and, you know, the cadence and all of that, the the point of it is there's like dedicated time to going and trying stuff. And that really helps pull out and give space for ideas or interests you might have that don't have to connect to your nine to five, you know, that you normally mm-hmm. have. Um, and I don't know, just there's that's one thing that I've always appreciated about this place, but it's also one thing that I've always appreciated about working with different people in different fields is when you get to see this kind of like cross pollination that happens Mm -hmm. with other areas of the world. Um, and then you, you look at that through the lens of the thing that you know how to do best, which for me at this point is, you know, technical, uh, building stuff, you know, (laughs) And, and whether, whatever form that takes, I'm really interested in, overlaying that that curiosity that kind of like hopeful future and then the collaboration with other team members mm-hmm. at any part of the process and i think that the the way that you can bring that in might be like oh i'm really interested in uh you know like you said for me it's unreal or or the ar mr vr kind of stuff okay well is there a way that i can use that in my day-to-day work maybe mm-hmm. not but what are ways that or what are things i can learn or industry movements I can track or, or even just little thi- like ideas that might be helpful that mm-hmm. I could share in small ways that are going to make someone else on the team have an aha moment and get interested in something. Um, and Dan, I know you'll appreciate if I bring up GK Chesterton, but um, back in his time, about a hundred years ago, he was dealing with a thing where futurologists, if you could say, um, we're looking at isolated events and I feel like this is just what humans do all the time, but he was good at calling it out that, you know, they would look at isolated events in their time and they would extrapolate them to these like extraordinary possible futures. Mm. But the future is always very similar to our present because we're just people and people don't change. It's mm-hmm. like just the context that changes. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that as technologists or as people who just want to make stuff or help clients or help people, which is really what we're here to do. That is a way that like we have to, it goes back to our design conversation that has to be built. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like Mm -hmm. that has to be a designed future. And so the way that you build a better possible future is by designing it. And so that means you need to look at, you need to pull from all your other hobbies and things and Mm -hmm. bring all of that to the table because like all of that could be a possible future. You just don't know what's going to fit yet. Mm-hmm. And so there's this desire to just, yeah, like play with play with the stuff that's interesting to you and put it on your desk and someone will walk by. And if we're all in the same place and they walk by your desk, but whatever, like, you back you in know. the same place just for a little while. I know yeah. it's a remote world, but just name like a week. Yeah. You know, then they'll see the thing and they'll, and they'll ask about it and you'll be like, oh, right, this is, you know, I do magic or I'm into Unreal Engine or, or whatever. And that can spark a conversation, which might spark an idea. And you just never know what that's going to take you. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's just that constant curiosity uh, that I feel like we, I don't know, I think the year or two being at home, while it is nice, it also makes me want to like go walk through the woods and take pictures and do that kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's a, a natural curiosity that has to be fulfilled there too. You, you saying that, okay, so, you know, there's the if you want to call it the learning tea where, you know, there's, there's a breadth of things that you can go an inch deep. And then at some point you kind of like go into 
something where you can go a mile deep. It's like, it's your specialty or your focus. The way you describe that, that's an interesting concept that's kind of made fresh for me is that in order for you to go deep as a member that's of this team that's exploring and trying to help clients unearth, you know, whether it's all the things that they could do, the right thing to do and how they might do it. Here's a, you almost have a parallel secondary T that you are going, that you do have to go an inch deep and a mile Mm. wide, you know, into a bunch of different things, you know, AR, MR, VR, gaming, video production. And so you've gone, it's almost like CK, you described two T's. It's like, I'm going really deep in this T over here, but in order to do that, I have to bounce between this other T where I am going. I have to be knowledgeable or at least a little bit on all the possibilities that are out there. Um, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned different fields, it's similar to, so we have a sales and ops process at Crema that we've been using for about 10 years and it was found through studying manufacturing. Um, we, it was just a, a, an article is like, Hey, this is what, you know, a manufacturing process. Um, this is what a team might go through while they're building something. They're actually fabricating something. This is their sales and ops process. And like, Oh, we could do that. Um, Hmm. We're not fabricating anything. Um, We're not like having to do hardware or any durable good. We're doing software, but we could kind of modify that. And so again, borrowing from other fields so that you can go deeper into your current field. Um, The way you describe that, that's kind of a new twist on that. It's interesting. I I didn't watch the uh, Super Bowl commercial for, um, well, I won't say who, but I didn't watch one of the, one of the crypto themed, um, Super Bowl commercials. You can say Coinbase. I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was did you see it? Did you see the? the okay, okay. Yeah, it, it was an interesting concept because I was reading a write up on the because that's the big thing right now. You know, is yeah. crypto all the things, and it's it's interesting to think about the the posture of the crypto commercials this year because they were not selling specific crypto products i mean they were because they were branded but like the art this article i was reading was saying it's sort of saying this is the future because it's the future because it's something that hasn't arrived in full force yet so Mm -hmm. hype marketing long play like you know in Mm -hmm. building big barns kind of thing and it's, it's just interesting to like you say when you borrow from other industries and you look at what has worked in the past and you're trying to build these possible futures uh I feel like the the it's easy to get caught up in kind of the hamster wheel of let's look to the next thing and it's going to be a hundred X and whatever, whatever. But it seems to me that long-term trends in technology and business in humanity is all about didn't like ethnography is another field that is really like something I want to spend some time on this year um, because I thought I knew a bunch about it. And then, uh, Tyler asked me a couple pointed questions. I was like, "Huh, oh, maybe I don't know as much as I thought," because he knows a lot about these. About these. What things. is ethnography? Should I know what that is? It, it's the yeah, it's like the study of cultures and the, you oh, know the study okay. of yeah, peoples. Yeah. And um, but there's even a concept a book I just started reading that's all about ethnography through the lens of the internet. Mm. And you have oh, formations and artifacts kind of simultaneously being created. You know, hashtag Web three and. <laughs> The, like these are the the things that are happening all the time like but these are intersections of people and cultures and times that don't have to necessarily be 
you know, wrapped up in a, in a beautiful package that is very linear and perfect in the future. Like you said, Dan, sometimes you design a process because some other industry has mm. a great idea and it just needs to be massaged a little bit into something new. Right. And I right. feel like that's what the exploratory team is going to spend a lot of time doing this year is probably just taking taking something that is like a little bit, I don't want to say a lump of coal because I want to be kinder, but like sometimes you see something that's a little, <laughs> it just needs to be polished, you know? And like, okay, well, let's just, let's look at this. Let's flip it on its end and polish it up and talk about how you could, you know, maybe like grind this side out a little bit and that'd mm-hmm. make it even better. And, uh, but we're not talking about like throw it away and mine for something new. Uh, I feel like that would be a disservice to the work that had been done in any industry that we walk into where we aren't the experts and a lot of people spend a lot of time figuring out great solutions to problems. And now they just need someone to come in and look at it from a different way and say like, okay, well, how can we, how can we just, you know, clean this up a little bit and, uh, or maybe just borrow it from the knowledge that's there. Well, and I think it plays off of something we've talked about for years and years at Crema, which is this idea that we just pay attention more, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's that simple. Like everything you just described, like we're paying attention to crypto. We're paying attention to Web3. We understand what, what you could do with AR, VR. We, we've been looking at X, Y, and Z. And we've we've built, a lot, of course, we have experience. There is some level of that paying attention actually comes from the personal experience we have from building products. But our clients are, are paying attention to what their company needs and the products and services they're creating. Mm-hmm. But when we come in alongside them to create technology that will support that business model or to enhance it or to automate it or whatever it is that's needed to do, um, we're paying attention to the potentials that they're not even, not, I'm not going to say they're at zero knowledge, but they have less knowledge than mm-hmm. we've just been paying attention more. We're reading mm. those books. We're exploring ethnography. We're we're looking at human-centered design. We're looking at, yeah. Um, design thinking. And we're, we're pulling all these things together so that we can come in and say, let us help bring context that you don't have, but we want your context. And we're going to draw out context that you can't even see that's right underneath your nose. Again, the kind of using the right under the surface analogy um, Mm. for the potentials and possibilities of what could literally change or save or scale or, um, evolve your company into the future, right? How many, how many hundred year old companies are there? <laughs> very, very few, very, very few. Although everybody starts their company saying, I'm, I'm, this is a hundred, this is going to be a legacy company. That doesn't happen very often. So the question is, how do you evolve an organization? How do you evolve mm-hmm. a business model? How do you evolve an offering, a product? How do you create something that will continue to bring value? And I think that's what this I, I hear those conversations happening where people you, you the team has come back from sessions where they're like, "Yo, we just that we just like open like remove scales from their eyes to see this new potential possibility that they hadn't even considered." Mm-hmm. And, what is it? Uh, what's it? The quote you say or that you really like about the the team that learns the learns faster? Oh, um, I don't remember the exact well, quote, but we I I don't I don't remember the exact quote, but we used to say that. Um, basically we used to say we get hired because we learn faster than anyone else. Hmm. Um, and that was the thing that was, we would have clients that would say, you get our business model faster than any other vendor or agency that we've worked with. And we're not in their space. Um, and, and it primarily is because we were very, 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 very good at building bridges, connecting dots. 
and going, oh, that's just like this other thing. It's just right. spin it for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, or I can see this as manufacturing boots, but boots are very similar to shirts. And so like, you know, like I, I can apply it there or, you know, cybersecurity consulting is very similar to management consulting, right? Mm-hmm. They're providing a high level professional services. And so we can build these bridges and connect these dots and go, okay, yeah, we've seen something like this before. Not exactly what you do and in the way you do, it's unique because everyone's unique and pretty. Um, but, um, yeah, exactly. Um, but how do you bring those things to the table to then ask the right questions so that you don't have to tell them, Mm -hmm. but they, they kind of, they, they reveal it for themselves, but we're like, yeah, cool. Glad you figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. Like glad I was here to, to just maybe crack the rock for you and then you can tip it over. Um, yeah. Well, and that's the, the best workshops I've ever been in. And, uh, Justin and Aubrey are amazing facilitators. The but the ones that we've done through Crema with other partners or other teams are the ones where you know you're at a point where the facilitator could say, "I think Here's I got the answer." Do. Yeah, and and then they usually just go one more question mm-hmm. and then sit back, you know. And that's that's a skill that is very hard to mm-hmm. to do well. <laughs> um, and it's something that I really want to work on is just that little bit of extra empathy, curiosity, patience, you know, because it's easy, especially coming from a development background. Usually I'm in the room to answer a question to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do we scale this or how do we get this to this, you know? And so we're there to provide a solution. And I feel like, a, you know, I don't want to do a disservice to any engineer at Crema because they are all good at asking those questions. Yeah. The, you know, in a workshop setting, you have to do that and then be willing to ask more and not provide a solution because mm-hmm. that's not what you're getting paid to do. We're not there to solve it for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a pivot that we're just, we have to really do well. But when we do do that well, then it, you know, you, you, you it's, it's literally like those light bulb moments where someone goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never thought of it that way. It's like, mm-hmm. I didn't even say anything. All I did is ask you to say it again. You know, <laughs> it's like, right. so good when it works though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I do want to take, um, you talk about not solutioning. So I want to go into solutioning a little bit. Um, no, sure. <laughs> so one of the things I want to chat with you about, because I know that the exploratory team does do workshops and we, we ask lots of questions and we interview and we do research and we're doing on site and, and we're doing lots of this work. But sometimes that means, hmm, we need to make something in order to validate a direction or mm-hmm. in order to prove the potential of an idea, not to the end level of saying, I need a full production team to build out this X, Y, and Z. What does that look like when you start th- coming from your, your technology background? What does it look like to think about prototyping um, mm-hmm. solutions, whether it's low code or very simple prototype solutions? How are you bringing that technology, again, not fully architecting, but Mm -hmm. really thinking about, Hey, I need to see, is this a viable way to move forward? Oh, totally. And, and I feel like that's the way you just framed it is a huge part of the solution where you have to say like, what, what are we trying to solve here and Mm. not think of the architecture as like the base layer. So there, a lot of times it's, it's really defining the problem space and saying, okay, what is, what is the goal of this prototype is the goal to, you know, we want to do some user testing. And so we need something 
that is just functional enough? Or are we trying to prove something so that you can go get some funding? Mm -hmm. And so it needs to be like really polished. Uh, are we just testing a specific function of something that already exists? Yeah. And so we're just kind of mocking how it works, but then we're putting a lot of care into this one pivot, you know, and, and then you ha can have conversations of like fidelity and um, the technology you would use and, you know, all of that. And that's one area that I'm so glad that I'm going to be working more and more with Aubrey on because she's really, really good at doing that from the design side. Mm -hmm. and uh i'm excited to bring the technical side to that as well because there are times when you can do a lot with a clickable prototype and there's a times when you need something to be installed on a device yeah or mm. you might need to actually yeah. put something like physically interactable into a space but that has you know a technology layer behind it to where people are going to be mimicking some action in the real world but they want to like it needs to do something as a part of that mm. and i feel like those are the things that can really those don't have to be final outcomes in themselves either which is where right. you like you say low code or or even just you know there there might even be where you you spin something up that no one will ever want to see how it worked <laughs> but you yeah, got it to yeah. do a thing mm -hmm. uh, so that you know because the the thing you're trying to unlock is not can this happen a million times with no error you're trying to unlock like 10 people using it two or three times because they're just trying to get a process through their heads. And, you know, as people, we just need to like touch and feel stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when we touch and feel something, then it unlocks something kinetically, uh, you know, through that process, um, through that yep. connect process. And so those are, those are just more principles than they are, you know, like um, steps or, or processes. But, I feel like that's another reason why you kind of have to be a dabbler to do this because you mm -hmm. you have to constantly be aware of like what low code options exist or what mm -hmm. is a framework when I can get something stood up because I have a day to build a clickable thing or go from a design to a little, you know, installable thing uh, just by nature of the engagement. You know, we want to get this back in the hands of the people while we have them during our workshop. And so those are those are some things that I think the you know, as we add people to this team that will get stronger and stronger and so right now it's just what are we trying to solve what's the fidelity that makes sense and then how can we do that as fast as possible um so that we well, can I, get to that outcome and iterate you know <laughs> i think about some of the things you've even made for crema um which i want to kind of brag on you a little bit because uh for those who don't know um ck's made some really fun experiences that are really just for crema like they're not set up, they're not modeled, they're not architected in a way that really it would scale much past our walls. Um, and that was on purpose. That's it fair. was like, hey, we are, we're not trying to build a product for the world right now. Although all of the entrepreneur thinkers in our organization are like, oh, we could productize that. And it's like, yeah, okay, slow down. Um, and I'm like, no, wait, please don't. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's, but like, I think it hasn't of, been um, tested. It hasn't been tested. <laughs> <laughs> I think about like, um, you built a checkout system for when we moved to a hybrid work office. Um, we got rid of everyone having an individual desk system. And so you built a very simple app that people could log in through their Gmail. Uh, we figured out who that person was. And I think you're using Airtable as kind of a database mm -hmm. model, which uh, there's been a whole bunch of people talking about Airtable or Google Sheets and things like that as a database, like low-code database solution. Oh, it's it's so much fun for that, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's perfect for solutions like that where you could prove out, okay, can, can a checkout system work? The short answer is yes, we, we use it um, um, to 
actually facilitate both contact tracing and desk checkout system like that. Mm -hmm. That's, that became a really helpful solution for us or at our holiday party, you creating the, um, we use a system called lattice that we give feedback. Um, and most of it's positive feedback or praise. And you created a system that did facial recognition of all the employees as they sat down and it shared with them the, the, the praise that they had received over the year. It was a very intimate, your setup. Oh dude, it was so well done. It was, yeah, I, I didn't tear up. It was fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just seeing, okay, well, what would need to, what would you need to do to make that work? And I remember you sh mm. showing me like, okay, I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to use a little webcam and there'll be a TV and you know, they'll have to like sit there for a second as I'm basically figuring out who they were. And I think even mm -hmm. like the week before you're like, I had to use two different facial recognition solutions because the one didn't work very well, but if you combine them, they worked pretty yeah. well. And yeah, that um, was terrifying. Cause I thought it wasn't going to work in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, it obviously didn't work. Cause when I sat down, I only got one piece of praise. You I only mean, received I, I, I one only... piece of praise last year, Dan. <laughs> oh, oh <yeah>. okay. Okay. <laughs> We don't Surely get praise like the be, rest of the team does. <laughs> well, he's, I think he's saying, no, it, it got me wrong because there should, there are certainly so much extra praise. That certainly <laughs> somewhere in there. But I think it's, I think it's examples of that where it's, it doesn't have to be something we're going, okay, well this needs to be the feature parody of Salesforce right. meets the feature parody of, um, you know, uh, of Asana for product management and, and that it's going to be tailor made for cattle distribution or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. I just was trying to connect some things. Um, you need, you need to buy that.com right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but a lot of times that's a feeling is like it, nothing will work if it doesn't do everything. Hmm. And that may be true in some conditions in some places and at some level of fidelity. But when you're just trying to say, can I get a system to see people's faces and then serve up content or data to them. Well, yeah, we can. Mm -hmm. And we can do that without having to build a very complicated system. Now, it actually right. ended up being more complex than you thought it was going to be. But <laughs> It always um, is. But I just, I think that's a really good example of where this low-level functional designing mm -hmm. can be a really powerful tool. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, the you know, the beautiful thing about experiential uh, pieces like that are that there's a component of how will the human actually interact with this? Like we were saying earlier with going back to HCI, but then also it's like, what will make this successful from like, what, what's the result I'm trying to get to? The result mm -hmm. I want to get to is someone can sit here and see some stuff that they've already seen in their inbox earlier mm -hmm. in the year, but they probably forgot because they, you know, people get a lot, unless you're Dan, people get a lot of, of feedback through the year. Um, Poor Dan. I just, it just wasn't working. That's just what I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's probably true. Um, I'll talk to the dev. Uh, but, but, you know, like you, you have to think about it from like, what, what is the crucial thing I'm trying to get to? And then you really have to turn off your perfectionist side, which is difficult and say like, what if, if nothing else worked, but this happened, which now I can't say it this way because I'm not sure it did for Dan, then what was the actual goal of this? You know, like, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to, to help mm -hmm. someone, you know, experience here? And that means that there there are things you can do to help that happen, but maybe that's not part of the actual, like, technology in this case. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is you put a curtain up so that your camera doesn't accidentally track multiple people, and so now you only have to build face tracking for one face. Like, 
that's a huge technology saving, you know? And there's like little things you can do that have nothing to do with the actual technical solution in this case, but they have to be part of the full solution. And that's why I think the the exploratory services are a fun kind of like, you know, side grade, or like you say, like a different additional T uh, to have to start learning because it bumps into so many other things mm-hmm. and the roles that have to interact and the, the ways we kind of have to like hand things off to each other as far as our specialties are concerned, but then also be able to understand about one another enough to speak each other's language, to kind of like cover if someone says something and, oh, that's a product management thing, or that's a design thing, mm-hmm. or that's a coaching thing. And I have to be able to at least understand what they mean. you know. Uh, and that's where we can really, really level each other up because now we can start learning from each other. We're building toward a common solution, but we're, we're doing it in a way that is collaborative and um, is going to be like leveraging what each other knows instead of having to get to that like full fidelity all by yourself. Mm. Mm. CK, kind of, I guess, wrapping it up, you mentioned just close collaboration uh, between the other members of the team. And you mentioned earlier as well, you know, as this team, you know, uh, in the future potentially gets bigger, what are some of the key either abilities or attributes that someone um, or a team, if so, if another, you know, one of our listeners wants to develop a team like this, what are some of the key mm. attributes that members of that team have to have in order to explore new ideas and new possibilities? That is a very good question um, that I, I feel not qualified to speak to, but I, but I do, I do think that the, so I'll say, I'll say for me, the idea of being humble is it has to be like at the forefront because Mm. it's easy, especially when you've been in, in my case, like in a production role for a long time, you're used to coming in, you know, you, you fix that bug, you nail that feature, you do whatever it is, you fix the problem, you put out a fire and it feels good. Mm. In some of these cases, the the work that we're doing, you're not going to ever see the full solution because you're trying to help unlock someone to go do their best work. You're trying to start fires is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that too. (laughs) Light Um, fires. (laughs) But I, you know, the aspect of humility has to be, I think way toward the front because you have to be willing to not answer the question or provide that solution. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's hard to do when you've been used to, you know, providing that as part of your, like, why should we hire you? You know, well, because I can provide solutions. Um, and so that like humility is a huge one. I said earlier, the curiosity has to be absolutely paramount. Um, you need to, you, you, you need to be multifaceted and you are, listener like you are multifaceted you just have to like let that show through and be willing to press into that um you know like the the uneasiness of not knowing what it is and you're just like i don't know if this is important or not let's push in and find out Hmm. um and i think the way you do that is through a hopeful or optimistic view of the future so that has to be part of it because like you need to want to build something that's going to be good for everybody um and that that has to be done in a collaborative fashion and that the best things, again, going back to why I was so drawn to Crema is because the collaboration was so intrinsic to every single process. There was always this idea of like, I think on my first day, someone came over and was like, hey, do you think I should? I was like, I don't know. I just got here. you know. <laughs> uh, 
but it was it was part of the ethos you know it's like it's in the water you know (laughs) there's something about it that uh is so core to who we are and i think the teams that we're trying to learn from who have done this really well and who we want to become and and if we saw someone else wanting to do it is just that has to be um present you know that you have you can't do this work solo like the, it's mm-hmm. by definition a collaborative work and uh and that's why it's exciting is cuz you get to work with people who are like super skilled at stuff that you're not and being able to just see how they are seeing the world and the stuff that they love to do can just give you so much insight. Like George, you talk about your dad flipping a log over and you just go, I had no idea this was even here. You know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like those, those traits though, are humility, curiosity, optimism, and collaboration are probably at least the first ones that hmm. uh, I'm trying to really work on developing this year. That's great. Good answer, CK. Yeah. I'm pumped. This is going to be awesome. Um, Me too. So I, I'm, I'm excited to explore this further and CK will keep talking about as this year, as we, as we truly live into this vital few of deepening this. And, and one of the things we wanted to be careful with is that with the, the, the description of this wasn't start an exploratory service practice. It was like, no, we're already doing this. Like so much of this, mm-hmm. like you said, is in the blood of crema. And what we wanted to do is to say, how might we put an assertive effort to really amplify the capability that we have in this space. And then we've got the experience, we've got the, the time and um, practice doing it. Now let's build a team dedicated to it. And so that's what we've been doing for those that are, are not aware. We've mentioned a couple names. You'll get to meet them or maybe you've already met them. And um, as we explore this, this space of how design and facilitation and technical and just all of those people thinking about curiosity and creativity um, come together to... I love this analogy of like flip over rocks and, and see the potential of what's right below the surface. So absolutely. CK, thanks for joining us today. Dan, still good to see your face, even though we've been sitting here for a bit. As always, it's a pleasure to be here, George. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks. See ya. This episode of people of product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.